I was thinking back when he said, a grudge is the heaviest thing to hold. And he always used to tell me that because if I'd be mad about something, he'd be, you got to let it go. You got to let it go. And I looked at the urn and I said, you lied. Like, you're wrong. A grudge is not the heaviest thing to hold. This grief is the heaviest thing to hold. So, Nicole, we're here. We are here. We made this happen. And as I alluded to earlier, what are you doing here? Um, well, actually, my friend Michelle had put me onto your podcast right after my grandfather passed, which tomorrow will be two months. So it's fresh, pretty new. And you and I connected, and that's here we are. And you know, when you told me that, when, when we initially chatted, and you told me how soon it was, I believe I was polite about it. I think you could remind me I was like this pretty fresh and, yeah. you know, I haven't really spoke to any, Really uh, good fucking luck, Nicole. I know, yeah. I mean, for me too, I'm a little nervous because I am so, unqu- I, even though this is my podcast talking about death, I'm so unqualified, even though experientially I have, but I try to, you know, I, I don't want to go Dr. Phil on anyone. So I'm just no. here to give you the space to speak. And I know it is fresh which is a different perspective. I think it's interesting because people that are going to be listening right now are going through it. So to get inside the brain of you and ha- ha- losing your gran- grandfather, right? Yeah, basically my father, but... Right, yeah. which is, that's in a whole nother yeah. uh, hole to go down. It's a great perspective to hear someone so fresh. And I guarantee if you may continue to speak five, six, 12 months later, you're going to have a totally different perspective. Oh yeah, so, I'm still in a little bit in denial. So, yeah, the, so is that, was that the quote unquote stage you feel like you're in right now? You're... I'm in a different stage every hour, honestly. Right. So we should I, record an hour from now. And yeah, in an hour, yeah. we'll come back and revisit this conversation. I think um, you got me on a particularly, so far, okay morning. I did not sleep last night. I was up like till 6 a.m. this morning, and then I napped for an hour and then got on the computer and started working. But I just, there are nights when I literally can't sleep, and it's all I think about. And oh, now... Oh my goodness, here comes the emotions. Um, I want to make this podcast this way, but um, it's hard. It's like my grandfather, my grandfather and I were so close. And I, like not to take away, because you said, oh, I'm not an expert on this, but you are because you're a subject matter expert for your own experience. And like that doesn't, I don't, I think people know how to deal with grief in their own way. But I think when someone says, oh, I'm an expert in grief, yeah, you've studied it, but not one single person is going to have the same exact experience as someone else. So for me, you are an expert. I feel like we're all experts because we're going through it. And so, yeah, it's um, the process is crazy as everybody who is going through it knows. And I think for me, I don't know what stage I'm in because in the beginning, when it first happened, I had realized, okay, you've been going through this anticipatory grief for two years now and maybe even longer. I'm just like, oh my God, what if this next call, what if this is the last time that I'm going to see him when I leave and I'd be crying on the way home? And it's like, he wasn't even sick then. And then when he got sick, it would just always be something with me. And I'm like, am I a hypochondriac or is this valid? And it was valid, right? It's always valid because it's just how I felt. But I feel like some days I'm like, okay, you're still a little bit in denial. Like, you know, it's real. But you're also, sometimes you think that you're going to wake up and it's just this nightmare. It's not going to be what it is. And also the way my grandfather passed away was, and I'm sure we'll get into that, is a little bit different. So it was a little bit traumatic. I mean, it's always traumatic for everyone, but it was a little bit more traumatic than I had expected it to happen. 
And I guess that's the one thing about grief. You really just can't have, or death, you really can't have expectations. No. So, I mean, I try not to have some expectations in life in general. <laughs> Sometimes I, my theory is I like to have low expectations because like when I go see a movie, I'm like, oh, this movie, I'm sure it's going to be all right. And then it's great. Yeah. So part of me is like, I wonder if I should lower my, I don't want to lower my standards. I think those are two different things. Never. But nevertheless, before I go into my weird mantras of life, it, do you want to tell me what happened? Yeah, it, do, you no. impo- do you think it's important to, for your think, process of how he passed? Yeah, I think it is. Um, one thing I think a lot of people have noticed is being someone who's in the media and on social media, everyone thinks, oh, you share everything. You're always posting this and that. And people always ask me why I don't post more of my clients or why, you know, athletes and whatnot, or why I don't post this and why I post that. And where's more of your life because you are a personality as well. And I tell people who are on the other side of that and say, you post everything that I really only post less than 10% of my life. My grandfather was a very main character energy in this story. So people felt like they knew him as well. He was part of this whole narrative, obviously not just privately, but publicly everybody knew. Um, I guess they knew my daddy issues. I guess they knew like that was my guy for that reason. And so when he, he and I had had a lot of conversations about it, but he got cancer and I, he had had a million heart things. He had quadruple bypasses, just everything you could think of under the sun. And this man was like, I am not going down. He was like still on ladders, the week before he died, like he just wanted to do everything so lively. And so I think that's the part that kind of makes you feel like, how did I not, like, how did it actually happen like this? So he had MDS, which is a rare form of blood cancer. And I remember when he got diagnosed, it was right before the pandemic hit or whatever. And he called us all for a family meeting. And I knew I knew, like in my heart, before we even got on that Zoom call or were together, I was actually at their house. I said cancer. I don't know what it was. It was just something in me that said cancer. Like why out of all things? Mm -hmm. It just had this feeling for the last couple of weeks that something was up. They put the meeting on the calendar. I went there. A couple hours later, they told us all. And I was like, okay, now what? I know my grandfather was really fortunate to have some of the best doctors. So we went to Columbia first. And then we ended up at Morristown, but we were at Columbia for a bulk of his treatment. And so this man, I mean, when I tell you like chemo was, he was kicking chemo's ass. Like he was just, you wouldn't have known. You wouldn't have known. He started to get skinny, but like he was good. He didn't have crazy symptoms. And I'm laughing because I'm thinking about this one time where I'm in one of his chemo treatments with him and the nurse is like, so do you have any side effects? He's like, no. She's like, nausea, nothing. Do you need anything? And he said, no. She goes, I see um, you're having the side effects of like losing all your hair. And he's like, no, I'm not. And he's bald. And she's like, yeah, you. I see you don't have eyebrows or eyelashes. He's like, yeah, I cut them off and I shave off my eyebrows. He's like, I don't want fucking facial hair. And I'm just like laughing because I'm like, this is who this person is. Like he always felt like, he just would shave his eyebrows. I don't know why he did that, but he always, we would always laugh. And I'm like, my grandmother used to say, you look like you have cancer because you do that and people are going to worry about you. And then he had cancer and they thought that was a symptom, but he wasn't losing hair. Like he would grow a full like facial hair. It was the weirdest thing. Interesting. I wonder if that's like a mental trick of if he did lose the hair, he's like, no, I did this. Cancer didn't do this to me. Yeah, or, no, but he you know. didn't. He had like a beard. Like he would grow really scruffy. I mean, I don't know, right? But he would cut his eyelashes because they were too long, he said, which made no sense. And then he just would razor his eyebrows off every week. And I was like, what are you doing? So towards the end— um, A lot of women would be pissed that someone did that. 
about cutting the eyelashes. I feel like oh, I have yeah. long eyelashes. I get, com- I get comments on those all the time. So I feel like a girl, so I'm sorry that you're hearing these guys with beautiful <laughs> eyelashes cutting them off. That sucks. He lived his way for sure, but he was, you know, a public figure himself. We own our family business is Capizio. So it's a dance company and it's been around for over 135 years. So, you know, we... To 105 years? 135 years oh, over. Jesus. Yeah, 1887. You guys do the math. I don't even know what year we're at, but I, um, you know, it's interesting because they do all the top like performers, everyone who wears Beyonce, Madonna, Meg Thee Stallion. I mean, everyone you could think of, Mick Jagger, ballet shoes, dance shoes, dance sneakers, the tights, everything. So he was always like he was a people person and people loved him because he really broke down a lot of silos. But anyways, now I'm getting off track. I'm like, want to just tell you everything there's about no, There's no track. There's no track. Um, but yeah, so towards the end, the next, when chemo stopped working for him, they told him there was nothing else they could do. And it had gotten to this stage that it was like, okay, this is it. We want your quality of life to just be good now because you're not having these symptoms. Like you're going to be tired, but Let's see. So he bounced back really good when he was not on chemo. And I was like, it was a mind fuck for me. Because I'm like, he looks good. He's great. Mm. We're running around. He wants to drive. He wants to do this. And he could drive. But my grandma didn't want him to drive. So we would go around and do all these things. He wanted to go to the light show during Christmas. He want like this man, you wouldn't even know he had cancer. Then towards the end, um, we went somewhere else. And we're like, okay, we're going to try something else. We went to Morristown. And these doctors did some other tests. They found things that maybe the first doctor just missed because he wasn't a specialist in this, which that's where it starts getting a little bit, it sucks. Because you're like, what if we went there first? We had kind of had all these options and, you know, even MD Anderson, which is the number one, we spoke to them too and we were going to go there, but we had a good plan in place. And look, he did live a long time with cancer, but when I say a long time, it's really not a long time compared to a lot of people. But basically... He needed four teeth pulled, so he was going to start this chemo treatment, but he was having teeth pain, tooth pain, teeth, tooth. <laughs> he was having pain, and they were like, well, we can't do anything because your blood, you know, your platelets and everything are down so low that we're going to have to pull your teeth in the hospital. So that's when I noticed the ecosystem was starting to be like, you know, shut down. Things were starting to get weaker, and but I could see he was tired. He was sleeping a lot of the day, but he wasn't—he still had his— sense of humor. Like he'd tell people to go fuck themselves. He would, you know, like joke around the way he would and say things that you're just like, <gasps> you know, it's just funny. Yeah, that, that's usually a, a good meter of how you're feeling. If yeah. you tell people to fuck themselves and you're, you're right. Let me tell you something. When he was on the hospice bed, he did, I'm going to get emotional, but like he said some shit that I don't even know if he knew he was saying. I, he had to have, but he, um, yeah. He was still there mm-hmm. for that part. The sense of humor was, it never went, like, till the very last breath. So, basically, he went to go get his teeth pulled. The night before, my whole family, like, gathered to eat. We always went there for Sunday dinners, this and that. But it was, like, a Tuesday or Wednesday. We went, I think he was going in on a Thursday. So, we went there. We had either Thai food or Chinese food, which, since then, I can't eat either of those things because it's a trigger for— everything's a trigger for me. But this is, like, a very big trigger for me. Um, cause I wish like, to, should I have stayed longer? Even though I did, I lingered. I always do. And by the way, I spent so many weekends with them. Like I spend more time with my grandparents than friends and family. I mean, I was there almost every weekend. Like you're 32 years old, get a life. And we would always laugh, but people just loved him. He was a character even on social media that people just loved. They felt like they knew him. 
They wanted more content of him always. Really? Oh, yeah. He Like, people, I'm not even kidding. People from social media showed up to his wake. No shit. Yeah, which is, to me, it's not creepy, but people were like, whoa, you know, the night one was so crazy. It ended up going four to five hours long, and it was supposed to be three, and the day one was, it was busy, but it was like the night one, you couldn't even believe it. And people were coming up to me, and I had no idea who they were, and they'd be like, I just want to say I love your relationship with your grandfather. I have followed you guys on social media and you don't know me, but I've we've kind of exchanged DMs sometimes and I've always said this and it means so much to me that he meant so much to other people, mm-hmm. you know, and that they could share their stories too, but just to show up. Like yeah. one person drove from Pennsylvania. No shit. Like deep in Pennsylvania. I, gotta, I, mean, I, I haven't seen, I need to see the account, but we'll do that after. Yeah. But is that nuts? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's an impact. Yeah, it's That's so cool. impactful. So he goes in and this is where it's like hard, but... And I I think about this every single day. So he goes in and he gets the teeth pulled and he calls me and he says, all right, Nicole, I'm so fucking happy right now. He's like, you know why? And I'm like, why, Pop? What's what's going on? And I go, because you got your teeth pulled? And he's like, yep, I feel so good. He got four random teeth pulled. Like in the back, he's like, and look, I still have all my front teeth. I'm like, great, <laughs> you know, but it's harder to chew at that point. So they put him on a liquid diet. Somehow... And I don't want to blame the hospital. I don't want to blame anyone. But somehow, and this is where, you know, it's hard to talk about, but someone brought him like bread or something, like soft bread. And the diet is supposed to be all liquids. <clears throat> and, oof, sorry. Um, don't say sorry. And so my grandfather had to do not resuscitate at this point because he was like, if my time is now, my time is now, you know? And that was only a couple weeks prior that he did that. And they told us about it. And I was like, okay, well, if he goes into sleep, I want him to go peacefully. So I'm at my aunt's house one night with my cousins and my uncle's in the room with my aunt, not coming out of the room for like an hour. And I'm calling my mom, I'm calling my other aunt and none of them are answering. So my mom texts me. She's like, I'm on the phone with your aunts and uncles. And I'm like, okay. So I knew something happened, but my cousins and my sister and I were like, did he pass away? Like, what's going on? My aunt comes out finally and is like, look, um, he's, something happened. He asphyxiated on a piece of bread, which he shouldn't have even had bread. And because he had a do not resuscitate, they normally wouldn't resuscitate him, but he choked on the bread. So it wasn't natural causes. They had to resuscitate him. So now his cognitive functions are not there. So we're like, is he in a coma? Like what's happening? So you almost think it's like an accident. Like Obviously, cancer was taking a toll on his body, but you don't know if that was it. And he had just started chemo in the hospital too. So now he's got this new chemo a day in there. And he um, just had four teeth pulled, which is a lot on him. And he had lost a lot of weight in the last couple of weeks leading up to that. So I knew that his body was getting ready. And apparently he told someone a couple of weeks before that he was ready. Like my grandfather did his last rites like five times just to do it because he wanted to be able to have guests in the hospital. Like, that's the kind of person he was. He was like, get the priest in here. His priest was his best friend from, like, a long time ago. And he had him in there, and they let us have people in there because he has his last rites. So so every time he'd go into the hospital, it was like a party. We were, it was like a frat house. We just all were in there bringing him food and everything. But this last time was very different. And so then he choked, and um, they were like, all right, we're going to bring him home. So we didn't get to talk to him for, like, a day or two after that. And then my mom's in the hospital with him, and she FaceTimes me, and— when I tell you, I have, this is like a weird thing for some people, but I have 
always when we're on FaceTime, I like to screen record, even though you can't hear the sound because I like to just, I have so many videos and pictures of us and everyone used to say, stop filming him, stop. But now they're happy that I did. I always record everything. So I was on FaceTime. It was really hard for me because you could see me crying in some of them. And I I watch them even though it's hard to watch, but he's spacey. Like he had, now at this point, they're like, you can only, he can only have liquids. So now they're going to starve him to death. And I'm thinking he's going to bounce back because when he had his quadruple bypass in 2015 or 17, we thought he was dead. He looked like a corpse. And he was spacey for like three weeks. He was in ICU, came back. And this man was like, let's go. We got more life to live. And now I'm seeing him like this again. So I'm thinking, I've already seen him like this. I know what he can bounce back from. And this is not the first time. This is not the second time. But he has this, I've never seen him with this like, it looks like a lollipop is a sponge. And they can put a little water and that's how he's drinking Coke or that's how he's drinking water. But they, you can't drink water and he won't drink the one that they mix that's really thick. He just will not do it. So, um, and he's saying things and he's spacey, but I could see he's not him. So it worried me, but I also, like I said, was like, this is fine. This is fine. Then they bring him home and they're like, we're going to put him on hospice. Now I'm thinking, okay, hospice can mean a lot of different things, right? Hospice can be, we have an aide, we have a nurse at the house, someone's helping, he'll bounce back and then they're going to leave and we'll just continue to have monitoring, whatever. I didn't realize when I got there the next day that he was going to be in a bed in the living room where his couch was. And like, he, this is a hard part to think about. I'm so sorry. Um... Oh my gosh, I didn't think I was going to do this. I'm usually pretty good about holding everything in um, publicly. So You're doing great. <laughs> like, look at this fucking bathroom. <clears throat> Take your time. It's really hard because I, I think about that, like walking into that moment and seeing him and being like, oh, this is, this is what we're doing. So now this is the beginning of the end for me. I don't think I believed it until I saw him, but he was still spacey, but he kind of knew things, but everything from there just went so fast. Like that next week was really, it happened really fast. And I'll tell you about this one thing after, like in a little while, we get further into the conversation that was really traumatic about it. Or should I just tell you now? Tell me whenever you're comfortable. Okay. Tell me now. I don't know if I'm just talking too much. No, that's why you got a mic, baby. You're good. I know. (laughs) Um, Woo. So sorry. So two nights or no, the night So he passed away on a Friday morning, the 16th of September. And Wednesday night, we all took shifts. We did not want to leave him. Like, yes, he had a nurse come and help do certain things, but we we took care of him. So that night it was me, my uncle, and my mom at the house. My grandmother was all the way in her wing and in the back of the house and she was sleeping. And, you know, I started noticing, like at that point, he— he really wasn't there. There were certain things, but it was just, it was so different at that point. Like I knew we were getting there. Like you're a lot less hopeful when you see them like that. Cause you're like, there's what's left here. Like, is this slowly just like getting sucked out of you? So do people cry on this podcast a lot? Mm-hmm. Okay, good. I've even cried. <laughs> yeah. I could try if you want. Yeah. Could you is that, would, that, would that help? Feel better? <laughs> probably got glasses on. <laughs> no, you're doing great. You're doing great. Keep- so, um, it's weird because I'm also not a crier at all. I'm no, I'm really not like about normal stuff, about even normal things girls cry about. And <laughs> he's the one thing I always cry about. Did you and cry? I've always cried about him. Did you cry at the end of the notebook? No. Cause I just thought like <laughs> that, was, that was pure disgust I'm, right there. <laughs> yeah. I'm like 
in those situations, maybe this is for another podcast. Maybe you need to start a different one. But yeah, okay. I'm like more of the, I would be more of the like man in the relationship. Okay. I feel like. You're a tough you know? Italian woman. Yeah, exactly. Gotcha. I'm a little more alpha. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so that night, so it was Wednesday night. He passed away on Friday morning. And that Wednesday night, he... We're all sleeping. It was the first night I was like, okay, I fell asleep, deep sleep. I'm laying on this little couch. There's He's on oxygen. He's on all that stuff. And the oxygen is loud, but you start getting used to it when it's always there, right, for a few days. And I just never left his side. Like, I brought my laptop. I, I was a disaster because I just—you're never ready. You will never be ready for it, but you try to prepare yourself. You know this. Mm. You There's— you try to prepare well, you, yourself. I mean, you had that. a different situation. You had a situation yeah. where it was more in sight. Well, uh, I'm saying with grief of anything, right? Right. When you know you're going to lose a relationship. That's my point. When you anything, when you yeah. know it's going to happen, it's a different process. And yeah. I, you, you know, I I don't know what's better or worse. That's neither. That's not my. What I'm saying. And my point is just, you know, you had a situation where you saw it coming. So it's even a, it's a different it's stress. It's a different preparation. Yeah, you know and I mean? you can't. I think of it when I was kind of doing my research on anticipatory grief. I think a lot about. Well, I've had to grieve in the past, not a loss like this, but you grieve jobs, you grieve relationships, right. you know, with significant others. You do, doesn't mean that somebody died to be grieving. Mm-hmm. You know, you grieve your old self sometimes when you're in a transformational phase, and sometimes it's for the better, but you still go through that that whole grieving process. Yeah, there's a kind of generalization of loss. Right. Yeah. So this was completely different. And then it was about probably 405, I think. And I jumped, I heard this noise. It was like, wee wee And you think you're dreaming, but I knew I wasn't. I jumped so high off the couch and I'm like, it's happening. The hospital never turned off his defibrillator. I've never heard his defibrillator go off, luckily. Um, unfortunately, I now did. So I jumped up off the couch and I'm like, get the magnet. Because they told us if it goes off, it means his heart's going into like this arrhythmia and you have to put the magnet on it so it doesn't shock him. Like, this is what we need to do. Not only are they telling us, well, you're going to be traumatized, but he's going to be in pain. Like, he will feel it. Why didn't we turn the defibrillator off before he left the hospital? I was pissed off. And look, I know people have horrible things, and he was fortunate to not go through any pain, and he was lucky to have us. I always think about those things, but I was terrified. Like, terrified in that moment. And so I grabbed the magnet and I like go in and put it over his chest and I'm like bawling, like just trying, but holding it in because I don't want him to feel that energy. And I'm just holding the magnet on him and I'm like, and my eyes are filling and I'm like, somebody call hospice and like find out what's going on. And so I'm like, someone else Google it and they're freaking out because I'm like, is he, we don't want him to get shocked. If he's going to pass right now, I don't want him to get shocked. We call my other two aunts, they come up and we're sitting there and then we're like, I am begging, begging anyone from the manufacturer. And I'm like a pretty connected person, but I don't know anyone who works for the defibrillator company. Yeah, don't blame me there. That's a yeah. tight-knit group Because right like there. I don't happen to know anyone. So I, um, hospice is trying to call them. And finally, like my grandmother gets on the phone with hospice and she's like, this is the worst. And people love hospice. They say it's so great. My grandmother did not have a good experience. She's like, this is the worst fucking thing. Get here and fucking help my husband. This is, he shouldn't have to hear this. You hear it in your body. Like, he hears it. It's fucking vibrating. Hmm. Even if he's not there. Yeah, it's rough. You know what I'm saying? And it's it sounds like a French siren. So I do the research. I go on YouTube, and I find some guy who's showing what the different sounds are, and that alarm is that the rhythm of his heart is changing. He is 
either going to have a heart attack or it's slowing down. So finally it goes off. So I take the magnet off, but we decided to tape it. And a few more times during the day, it goes off. And then we make sure we're pressing the magnet down. So and we put foam over it so he wouldn't really hear it, but mm-hmm. you know, he felt it. Um, but at that point, he also was like sleeping pretty much most of the day. And he didn't like, he would say like one thing like water or Coke, mm-hmm. but not really good. And I think the hardest thing for me was that finally someone from the manufacturer came that afternoon and turned off the defibrillator. And all they do is put a wand over it, like this magnetic thing, turn it off. So now we didn't have to worry about that. And then my grandmother said that night, go home, come back this weekend. You stay with him. Just like go home, pull yourself together and just like get some clothes. So like the next morning, my mom texted me and I'm like, what's going on? Should I come over now? I'm going to bring my laptop. I'm showered. I have clothes for the weekend. And she's like, the nurse just came and she said that his heart, his breathing is labored and his heart is slowing down. And I'm like, okay. And she's like, no, she said like he doesn't have that much time and that it's going to be soon. 9.35 9.35 a.m. Nine, literally, oh no, sorry, 9.39 a.m. 9.40 a.m., he's gone. And I'm like, what? Like, what do you mean? So then I got in my car and I just like went there. And I hadn't smelt my grandfather. You know, everyone has personal scent. I had not smelt him since he got home from the hospital. Like his scent was nowhere in the house. It was the weirdest thing a whole week that he was in the hospice bed. And as I'm driving there, I had the windows down. And I'm like, just disaster. I'm like, how am I going to drive all the way to, you know, North Jersey like this from Edgewater? I'm like, I can't, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I can't even see the car, you know what I mean? The road. And so I got a whiff of his scent and I don't know, like somebody, I had said something about it on Twitter because it happened to me twice or once after that also. And somebody told me that it's actually a thing. Mm. It's like a sign. It's like some kind of clairvoyance. I don't remember what she said, but I had the article bookmarked now on my phone somewhere. And she was just telling me like, this is, that was him telling you that he's there. And it was hard. But then even after that, just to give you a little bit more context, I know I'm rambling now, but well, you can ask whatever you want to ask because this next part is like when I got there, that was really traumatic for me too. So what happened when you got there. Okay. Wanna, <laughs> so I'm like, do you want to hear the rest? Yeah, I'm not going to slap you. This is. Um, you gotta, I know, but I'm a talker. I mean, I, I am my grandfather's good thing you're child. On a podcast. I swear. <laughs> yeah. I am like, I swear I'm his child. It's like, and I'm his oldest grandchild of 10. So, like, I was the first. So we had a mm-hmm. totally different relationship than everyone else. Um, But he. Usa. Yeah. Serenity like, I cry so much at night and, like, in private, that like when you get in public, you're like, no, I don't need to cry. Yeah, I mean, oh, uh, you're two months. You're still, you're very much in the wave of it. So you know, things are just still gonna bubble up. I mean, some people bubble, like you know, let it out years later to see. Light crying for me. Late crying. Light. Light crying. Yeah, like normally I'd be on the floor, but I have a pretty decent control right now. I think. You do. You're doing great. Um. So I'm so sorry. Is there a tissue somewhere? Yeah. Get her a tissue. Someone like, get her a tissue. Oh my god! But like I said, I mean, you're. I, 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 oh, I already, yes. He that, would tell me to stop fucking crying. That's what he would. Literally based on the attitude you told me, yeah, I, th- I think a person, me personally, I, I, I have a lot of similar personalities in my life. We both from you know the East Coast, Jersey, Italian, yeah. that type of thing. And there's a lot of similarities in that personality. I feel like there's, I feel like there is a lot of comfort with that in many ways. Thank you so much. 
Thank you, Kleenex, for support. That, that should be a sponsor. Kleenex, yeah, come to my sponsor, Dead Talks. I think that that, I, that's really prime. Should I work get, on that partnership for you? Uh, yeah. No, I really will. Let's, we'll, we'll, we'll talk after. Um, so don't worry, we're not making money off Kleenex. Anyway, so... <laughs> But I don't know what to do with no Kleenex in no, my she's hand. She's smiling. Do you want to tissue? No, you're not crying. I could, you're okay. I could hold it just for aesthetics. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, now we're really. Let me know when don't you don't show the logo because we gotta get paid if they want us to have the logo in there. I'm gonna cover it now. It just looks like a box. Um, like I said, you're you're two months in, and I'm not gonna. I know you. Thank you for saying I'm an expert, but I'm not. But because we've all had different experiences, but my curiosity. I don't know if you, I'm sure you had more to say to that story, so I'm not trying to cut you off. But it, it was way more traumatic than I expected in a sense that you had all those ups and downs. You see him beating it one time and you know he's going to come back. Then when he doesn't, and then when he doesn't, it happens so quick. You know, that's because it seemed like it was dragged out in many in many ways, yeah, right? So exactly. to see that one minute go by, like, that was it? Not even, yeah. What, and it was a it was. text message. And I'm like, but I was just coming there. Like he, yeah. and you almost think like, did they send me home? Because I knew it was coming because the defibrillator was going off. And everyone was like, well, it could just be going off. Okay. Hospice had also told us that the defibrillator was going off because it was in, because the center was all the way down in his wing of the hallway where their master bedroom is. And he wasn't near it for the whole week. He's been in the living room. And I'm like, he sits in the fucking living room on that couch all the time. That makes no sense, number one. Number two, we went to Italy for two weeks. So how the fuck are you going to tell me that the defibrillator is making noise? Just say what it is. Yeah. Like, we all know how to Google, and we're not stupid. So, for me, also, I was very—when I tell you research, I could have probably went to, like, I was pre-med in this. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, I was pre-med in this disease. Like, I knew everything about it. I'm still involved because now I want to give back for families who are going through this and don't understand because there are a lot of mixed stories and, I mean, experiences. And you have people come out of the woodwork once you start posting it that have these cures and this and that. And you're like, all right, well, but you want to listen to what people are saying. So you feel, I mean, you do feel a level of frustration based on things went down. Yeah. Naturally. I, I mean, and I don't want to be angry at anyone because I know he wouldn't want that. He would, you know, he, but no time was ever going to be enough. Right. No time with him would be enough. If he lived till 93, I'd still be sitting here like, of course. can't believe he died. Yeah, and especially, you, especially when things happen like that, you, you really start questioning things, shoulda, coulda, woulda, if this, that, which is a which is like important to reflect on, I think. I'm not saying- Dangerous. But it's a, it's a, it's like a, you said. at some point, yeah, because my, my mom, we're going to talk about you a little bit real quick. So my uncle Tommy right now is not, he's not, he's, he's not doing so well. I'm he's so not, sorry. He's I mean, thank you. And she was- kind of reflect, not to get in detail, but she was just made some points. We were having a conversation last night over a few glasses of wine. And she was just mentioning, you know, the past is the past. Like thinking about how things could have went or should have went. Different experiences. So I'm not telling you this is right or wrong. But no, it's but it's equally valid and important. Yeah. So don't diminish yours. Because... No, no. I, I just I just don't like comparing situations because, no. you know, feelings. Can You're variables. not comparing. You're putting it next to it and just explain I'm it. Put it next to you like this. Take that. Okay. It's a Kleenex box for you. And it's just like sometimes, you, sometimes a point is a point where you, yeah, you can hammer on it so many times, but it's like at what point is it just a not doing a service to you and b just yeah. not getting you to where you want to be, you know? And so it just takes time. But clearly, you're frustrated about it as you. Sh I would be frustrated too. I'm mad at myself too, though. Yeah. At what point do you like? Where, how do you deal with that? How are you dealing with that right now? Besides talking about it with me. <laughs> um. There's weeks that I don't leave my house. For, like at all. Like I'm just working remote and I make sure everything is remote. And then there is, there are days when I need to get out of the house. There, I, I am trying everything. There, it's honestly a little bit strange because 
for someone who's so private, I've been public about my grieving process, at least on Twitter. I think people see on Instagram, I'll post him a lot. And now on Dead Talks. And now I'm on a podcast about it. But I think that's really important because there are so many people. I mean, when I tell you, when I posted that he passed away, like I said before, a lot of people resonated with that because they felt like they knew him. Mm. But also, and people would always, more content, more pop content, more pop content. But also people would share their stories. And so I met a lot of people. And then I went on, this is going to sound strange, but I went on Reddit as I was so desperate to find I don't want to say a community, but answers and people's experiences. And like, is there going to be something that pops? I always used to say when I was younger, because he always left me with a lot of, no matter what happened to me, if I was grieving the loss of, you know, whatever it was in my life, he always left me with these gems. We call them popisms. <laughs> and, you know, he always used to say, well, a grudge is the heaviest thing to hold. And I, there was one night when I'm like, looking at this little urn because now I have the urn and that's a whole other thing too because I have one of the little urns and like when I'm like naked and about to shower, I cover it with a towel. So my mentality is like he's in the jar. That's a whole weird concept too when someone's cremated. I mean, that to me, I never knew I was going to feel, but I'll like cover it with a towel because I'm like, oh, I don't want him to. And then I'm like, well, maybe the universe kind of like blurs it out for people because I know a lot of people who have passed away. So I'm hoping my, you know. I'm sure he's looking the other way. Exactly. I'm like, maybe they put like a blurry screen, like a frost screen hope so. over people. Yeah. I'm like, God, I don't want him to see me sexing anyone or doing anything, you know, that he would be like, hello. I, I think about that too, is because like, you know, we all have a weird, we all have a weird things. So I'm not doing anything super weird, but like yeah, I, have okay. this, I have this stuff. I mean, is it still it's just, it's, I don't Subjective. want to do that. Blame me. You don't know, you don't know me, but we, weird is a weird, ad, weird is an adjective that I've been described way too many times, but I'm told there's weird, weird, and then there's interesting, weird. Thankfully, I've been told I'm interesting, interesting weird, weird. So take that however you want. Okay. Wait, where were we, what was I going with that? What were we talking about? Oh, it's weird things. So I always think like, how, how much like my dad or anyone, like how, they, if they're watching, I don't know, I'm not putting any. That's how like, I feel if they watch, like, How it? much you watching? Like sometimes you got to turn the lights off. I don't know, like what. That's, and there's other people for them to watch if they're watching. But it's also part of like, okay, well, I don't know. You, if you're watching, I'm sorry you see all that. I'm sorry you saw that. So <laughs> edibles for me were something that... That was me last night. Yeah. I had stopped taking edibles for a while. And as soon as he passed away, I was like, I am going to literally get to a higher, way higher level. Literally. But like than I've ever been before. I'm going to get violently high off edibles so I can be in a totally released... This is probably not the smartest thing to do, but this is what I did. I wanted to release everything and just have a different perspective that I couldn't control. And it was scary, but it was also almost therapeutic when I came out of it because I was by myself. I was home. I was in the bed and I'm like, and I'm just thinking to myself, okay, none of it makes sense, right? Because I don't know if he's just gone, if he's with past relatives. If he, I don't know what I believe. I genuinely don't. I'm Catholic, Christian, like I, fine, but I do not know what I believe, but we're here somehow. Yeah, that's for sure. We're here somehow. Something had to happen before the Big Bang Theory. Like this is the stuff that I think about when I'm high right. off edibles. So I'm like, some there has to be something. I don't know what it is. I don't know what to believe. It, none of it makes sense. Do they just go somewhere else and restart? I, I don't know. And I don't like to speculate, right? It's for- But I think you do. I mean, I was speculating, but not- <laughs> Consciously, you know, subconsciously. Right, yeah. So, you know, I was thinking back, and that was the same night when I was thinking back when he said, A grudge is the heaviest thing to hold. And he always used to tell me that because if I'd be mad about something, he'd be, You gotta let it go. You gotta let it go. Like, you gotta let it go. And 
I remember saying when I woke up and I was completely sober, because when you come off edibles, you're like, I'm great now. I looked at the urn and I said, urn and I said, you lied. Like, you're wrong. And I'm like, he would have asked for a whole explanation on it. But I basically said, you know, to myself, a grudge is not the heaviest thing to hold. This grief is the heaviest thing to hold. There's no worse feeling. I've grieved things before. I've lost friends. I've traumatically, like I've grieved and hurt really bad for other people. But it also, this was so, this was the one. This was the one. And let me tell you, it was such a transitional phase in my life. And look, I'm only two months in tomorrow, but it was such a turning point for me because I thought, well, anything that has happened to me before, I have nothing to lose now. Yes, of course I have things to lose. But this was my one person. This was my person. This was the worst thing in my eyes that could happen to me. Sorry, mom, I love you too. But this is the worst thing is losing him was going to destroy me. I did not think I would ever be able to function. And I'm still numb. So I don't know. Is Am I going to have a fucking meltdown in four months and have a Britney moment, shave my head and have a Kanye moment? Because to be honest, a lot of people, I am not, not condoning anything that Kanye has done. But I think that a lot of people don't realize that what Kanye is going through, and I'm not making excuses, so I don't want this to be a political thing. But Kanye, losing his mother the way he did, I think he holds that so much on his heart and on his just mind at all times because the plastic surgery, he paid for it. It was another country. It was something he could have controlled. In a way, you can't really control anything. But I think that that grief was the beginning of this spiral so many years ago and people just didn't see it. I also still think Kanye is a genius and I think everyone would agree with musically, artistically, but I think he's got a lot of demons because of that. And I think sometimes I start to see myself doing things, but I said, you know what? I have nothing to fucking lose anymore. Nothing you could throw at me. Bring on the problems. Like Drake said, right? Bring on the motherfucking problems. Like I, nothing could bother me anymore. So... I really feel that. I really feel invincible in that sense, but that doesn't mean I don't hurt every day. Yeah, and that hurt is going to continue. Yeah, I mean, it's only going to get worse before it gets better. I know that it's already been getting worse. Yeah, like I said, you're you're so early into onto it that you're going to continually change. You're going to continually evolve as long as you. I think you stay as aware. It's great. It sounds like you're very aware of this or that, but but at the same time, I think you just got to let yourself. I've said this many times, and so my guests, you got to you got to let yourself feel, and it seems like you're good at that. I think I'm on the. The cusp of that. I yeah. try to. But. You got to let yourself feel and just, I don't know, like we said earlier about expectations. I don't, maybe I don't have any grief expectations. Just, yeah. just go for the ride. Try to stay positive and understand from the man you're explaining who he was and his personality. He's the fucking best. And, I, and it's, it's, cor- it's corny to say this in cliche. I got, by the way, none of this, I can't, my podcast doing better and better. The comments are brutal. Some of you, 99% are positive, but the, some of these comments are brutal. And someone gave like me shit. Someone gave me shit for saying what I was about to say to you. So if that person's watching, I know I'm going to say it again. So deal with it. You do. It was, it was just conversation. Like based on who like this. Grief podcast, you <laughs> commenting shit like that? Oh, uh, shit's got weird. Like someone like that, LOL cancer one time. I'm like, uh-huh. I couldn't. Uh-huh. I didn't, yeah, that's what I'm dealing because with. Because people don't believe that cancer's real, right? I don't know. That was flat too. What the hell? I don't want to say. It's very flat. And so my point was about. 
What was what was my point? My, I got, you're like I'm gonna tell you something that this person. Oh, uh, so I'm saying like I don't know I don't know your grandfather, but based on how you're speaking to him, it's like I think you have something to lean on based on knowing who he was and the relationship you had. That little voice you can conversation you can have with these people, whether it's real or not, it's like you know he'll tell you just you're gonna be good. This and all that and all that rainbow and sunshine stuff. Like you're gonna be okay, and he's gonna want you a relationship like that. Will I though? What will you what? Will I be okay? Yeah, I mean, if, I heard Bill Burr say it too. Like, just why not? It's I'm gonna pretend to be okay, and if you're not gonna be okay, you'll deal with it then. This is yeah. better. I'd rather pretend to be okay than actually yeah, that's be okay. Where if I, I if I'm, now. just just you'll get there. Just give it time and believe you will. And if you're not, uh, if you're not, then you'll deal with it then. <laughs> what am I gonna yeah. say? But at the end of the day, you know, you have this you have this loving relationship with him. I think you'll know. You have to talk to yourself about that. But if like you've said it a couple of times, insinuating what he would tell you, I'm not going to tell you for you, but I think he would, you know how he would want you to feel and be grateful for what he's had. He gave you a little scent to get a little love right there, right? So, well, that was another thing you just made me think of. You know, I haven't gotten, everyone says, oh, you're going to get all these signs. At first, I was begging for signs. That's what I do every day. The scent, I was like, oh, maybe it's something that just like is familiar to me, but I don't smell it the way I used to when I'd walk in that house. Yeah. And that house is huge, so it feels even bigger now. And the thing that's really hard is like, I, everything I read on all the podcasts, everything, I mean, listen to on podcasts, everything I read on all the blogs and this and that, and people sharing their experiences, which by the way, that was like the most amazing thing is just Twitter and Instagram and people that don't even know each other coming together. I mean, it really, I'm like, damn, maybe I need to start like a Reddit group and get all these people together and we can go on a grief retreat. Maybe you and I need to do this big grief retreat for people. I'm down. Ayahuasca. Wouldn't that be cool? Ayahuasca, grief gang. Whatever. Oh, I think there's a I, podcast. Yeah, I actually had her on Amber. Shout out to Amber. Yeah, she's the grief great. Gang podcast. She was one she's of the dope. first podcasts I started looking for when I was like, I need resources right before he passed because I'm like, man, the ship, what am I going to fucking do? Like my life is about to be over. And in a lot of ways, I feel like that, that part of my life is over. That hole is never getting filled. Well, there's com- there's also comfort in in that community of just uh, like even though you're grieving with people around you, you know you, there's a sense of feeling alone because like you're the only one feeling what you're feeling. So it, finding other people that can relate, this is naturally comfortable. So let me ask you a question, and you don't have to answer this, I'll but at answer. any point, because I felt like this. So I had a friend, one of my best friends, who's husband had a tragic construction accident and passed away, okay? And I showed up for her. We all did. But after this, I feel like, did I show up for her? And I said this, I wrote this whole paragraph. My friend whose mother had an accidental death as well. My best friend whose grandmother went through the same process. You don't want to be on top of someone because you're like, they need their space, but you want them to know you're there. But everyone feels differently. And what they need, you don't know because a lot of times they won't tell you or they can't articulate that because their mind is not there. For me, a lot of my friends and people around me know that I like to be alone. And when I want someone, I'll ask for it, but I'm never going to push you away. But there will be a point when I'll go in my room and I'll close the door and just like, I need the time or you won't hear from me for a couple of days. I am always strong for everyone else. I didn't really know how to be strong for myself, but I felt very guilty because I started to think, and this is what I want to know, if you ever felt this way, that maybe I didn't show up for people who were feeling this kind of grief and loss in their life because I didn't know how to. I'm like, holy fuck. They went through that, and like I thought I was showing up for them, but maybe I wasn't. Yeah, I don't know. That's that's, that's something you have to ask the person, obviously, but I think experientially, like you said, everyone experiences it differently. Well, they say, oh, you did show up though. If they did, then you're good. You did. You you're were the, amazing. You're always there for me. But then you're in the clear. I feel, but 
Well, that's on you. No one like wants if, to if make you if, feel guilty while if, you're grieving. Right, and maybe there's a sugarcoat. I don't know, but like the way I am with my friends, I feel like there's, there was one time I, my one of my really good friends kind of pointed out that if I didn't show up, I, that was eye-opening for me. I was like very vague about it, and I think I took the approach of giving him space and not saying anything when I should have probably said something. My biggest thing now when someone's going through anything, I don't— I don't try to force advice or force my thoughts. I think like you said, it's just important. You, Especially the relationship that you're close to them. I'm yeah. very open, like very specific. Hey, Same. if you need something, just tell me. I'm but not like, going to bother actually you. actually tell me. But actually tell me. I'm so, not just saying. Yeah, so you got to be, I think you got to be clear. Like, if you want that, I'm dead ass serious. I'm just saying this to be polite. Like, dead I'm ass. here for you whenever you want. Dead talks ass serious. Dead talks ass serious. I'm, I'm, I'm here for you if you need it. And I'm going to, tell me what you want. Cause I don't know what you want. You know what I mean? So I think it is important to give people space. But then some people, like you said, might not want that space. They want the attention. You can't, you can't, Assume you can only do the best you can, but I think it's letting them know somehow that if you need anything truly, what can I do for you? Yeah. You know what I mean? So that that's the, that's the million dollar question, I guess. So like I said, everyone handles it and wants to do it differently, but I think it's also up to the other person to kind of let you know as long as there's a a buffer zone that they can feel comfortable to do that. Some people don't want to be a burden to other people. Yeah. So there's a lot of layers to it. So I, I wouldn't hang yourself up on how you've handled other situations because now you know more than ever. You know, yeah. so now you will. Maybe be better prepared for the next time. And I also, oh God, the next time. And then, um, but it's also hard because you want to give everyone the benefit of the doubt around you also. Like, oh, this person didn't show up. This person didn't say anything. This person wasn't there. Is it like, do you take a mental note? Like, I didn't even have that in me, the energy to be mad at people. But there was one point when there was someone who I expected to show up for me the way I always show up for them and they didn't. And I was like, Okay, noted. And I started to see a decline in that relationship. And then they came around and they were like, I just wanted to give you space. But then they were totally like, nothing happened after that. And that, that bothered me. Right. I'm just like, uh, that's, that's natural. I can be, I can see that. <laughs> but at the same time, it kind of goes back to what your grandfather said about holding a grudge. And part of it is, some plenty of those grudges are deserved because people just did that. So it's up to you. It's up to you if you just want to kind of let it fuse, diffuse, in my opinion, or you approach them, tell them this really bothered me, this and that, and yeah. just express how you feel. And then wherever it goes from there, like, yeah, I don't know. You don't don't do it or do do it, but like that's up to you, your approach. Do you take a mental yeah. note? Do you approach them? Do you just let it go out? Do you want to rebuild it? I don't know. Some people just literally have no idea, especially around this topic. I know. Some people don't, and some people are just assholes. I don't know. It's a, some people are just assholes. That's You're a, right. That's the way of life, too. Some people are just genuine assholes, and this that's, their, of life. that's their journey. Does uh, that bother you, too, when people say, like, well, this is part of life. Yeah, no shit. Or, oh, well, he lived such a long life. Or, oh, you know, he had such a great life. Or she, whoever. My buddy Michael said that he lost his grandfather, uh, grandmother, and he was like, hey, when people say— they're, they they're going, they lived a long life. They step. It still hurts. You know? so yeah. It does, of course. And it's so a double eye. It's, it's sometimes it's nice to say that it, it's a positive glass half full. They had this long life, but it still hurts. So yeah, no you know? time would ever be enough. I mean, I, how are we on time over there? Oh, we're good. Okay. Shit. No, we're good. We're good. We're good. Um, but what, I, what I do want to ask, I want to kind of dig into just how do you, how do you how are you do you have any methods of getting through it specifically right now? Like, is there, are you talking to anyone? Are you, is, are you just kind of just doing your thing and seeing what happens? Twitter. Twitter. I like, once I get it out, and sometimes I leave a lot of things in my drafts. God, I hope no one ever gets in. Oh, so you're talking about express. So oh, I'll vocalize because yeah, people great. will respond and they'll say things and then um, posting a picture really helps me. But I think, you know, I really haven't, this is the first time I've actually sat down with someone and there you go. There's my form of therapy. I love talking about him. All I want to do is talk about him, and I think people are sick of hearing it. But I think a lot of people also know what my relationship with him was like. I think I get a lot of people who will have a normal conversation with me and be like, you know, and they'll like slip it in there just to make sure I know that they're there. 
um, or that they're thinking of me and they'll see my eyes start to water and they're like, I knew you weren't okay. And I'm like, no, but I, I have to be. I don't have yeah. a choice. I have to be strong. What about my—that was my mother's father. Yeah. It's my aunt's and uncle's father. It's that good was, that you see that. because like, It was everyone else. It's my grandmother's husband all these years. It, like, is, it is a choice to be okay. <laughs> At least, like, to be tough for a little bit. But Being okay doesn't mean you're not hurting. That's no, ex- a common okay. misconception. For sure. And it's okay not to be okay. I've said that in a corny old thing that I said. But it's okay not to be okay. But I, I don't You got to— a lot of the, I think you're figuring out, you're trying things out and it's, you're on your own little path. And I think it's good to hear from other people that helps, but at the same time, you got to trust yourself. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing. Like take whatever you got from everyone and me and anyone else. I think that that helps me at least getting perspective, but perspective is the end of the day. That is the big, it's, we, you, you do have the power to get over this. So like when you said before, am I going to be okay? That's, I'll never be over it and you'll never be over it. No, no. Yeah. If I said that, that, that uh-huh. was a slip. No, yeah. no. I know what you mean, but yeah, I'm just you, saying like for people who you know, your people come at you in the comments. Mm, those people. I think there's never, I'm going to let go of it or I'm going to move on. Yes, we have to move forward, right? And we have to get into that place and get over the hump. I think one thing also, my best friend, she, who had lost her husband, she was pregnant. They'd just gotten married. It was like really just a series of events that, and young. And I'm like, he had so much more life to live. And she sends me stuff all the time. And I think about her all the time. And I always have, but- a lot of times I'm like, am I selfish? And she loved my, my grandfather loved her. And so, you know, it's one of those things where there's so many perspectives, so many things, and there's no right answer to any of this. We're all figuring it out. And I think it's great to be able to share resources and experiences because there are things that trigger me. Like, I, I don't know, but there's just a lot of things that trigger me or trigger thoughts in my head that make me feel like, okay, if she could do it, I could do it. Or I don't have to be okay with this, but I can give her this advice too. You know, we exchange, I think exchanging those stories really helps and being able to talk to people like you who have this amazing platform and this community that you've built. I mean, that's pretty fucking awesome. This is not a topic that a lot of people talk about. So you need to commend yourself or I need to give you your flowers if people haven't. Obviously over a hundred thousand people have, and you probably have even more listens and views than that. But I think you need to know what you're doing is helping so many people. And you're probably just also trying to help yourself at the beginning of this, right? Mm. It's a, what I've noticed it's 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 been a lot of that above it's not it selfishly has helped me. And sometimes it's often helped the person speak when they didn't expect it. So it's kind of like we're all I don't know, we're all just in this shit together at, at some point, even though in this time with this climate that we're in, sometimes it feels like it's way too individualistic and we gotta come together. But I think mm. that's the beauty of of someone like you being vulnerable and sharing these discussions because you're, you know, I had a thought yesterday about, we were talking about numbers and thinking about how much this and that, about how well the podcast is doing. I was like, I was outside going for a walk by myself. I was like, you know, obviously that's important to get this where I want to be. I was like, some episodes are going to help 10,000 people. Some episodes are going to help 1,000 people. Yeah. And it was one episode might help one person. I'm like, you know what? I'm good with that. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. And I think that's the part of sharing these stories is that, some stories are going to resonate with people in different ways. Some people are going to res- some stories are going to resonate with people more than another, and that's that's cool. That's the reason why I want these diverse conversations and someone like you coming on so f- fresh on the scene with this stuff. Yeah. So like a newly newly uh, in- initiated club member, as I would yeah. say, <laughs> yeah. and uh, you know, so you're like you're going through you're going through it right now. So just gotta you also gotta commend yourself for where you are two months later. Give yourself some credit and allow yourself to just. 
trust yourself and know that it's going to be okay. Even if you don't think that, just be a little bit of an actress. Yeah. Therapy was never mine. Um, like it was never my thing and my way. And so I just didn't go that route. But I think, you know, other people, my sister and others have decided to opt for that. I think for me, you know, I was about to restart my podcast because my grandfather really wanted me to do that because he knew I loved it and that it was something that I should do and that I never take enough time because I'm so busy building everyone else's brand. But I had relaunched it and then he, the couple of weeks leading up to what happened, happened. So I was like, I need, I can be spotty. I don't care. I don't care about this. And then I came back a week or two after just for two episodes. And I haven't posted since because I needed to give myself some grace before I get back into the like hard hitting stuff of alpha females. But I did this two part grief casting is what I called it. And it was just the first one was about anticipatory grief and what led up to it, which I kind of shared an overview of that, but it was, I was crying on it. And then the second one was about, okay, now I'm here. I'm in this, I've passed this threshold. I'm grieving and this is what I'm experiencing. I have a long way to go. I'm going to have a lot of highs, lows, ups, downs, all the in-between. One thing for me that I know for sure is I'm still numb. I'm still some days in denial. I am very aware of what's happening and that this is real, but I can cry at the drop of anything when I think of him. There are things that you're like, oh my God, that's so terrible. And everyone, the whole room could be crying and I'll just not feel it because right now what I feel is this and that's what gets me. So if anyone does need an actress, all I would have to do is literally to cry on command is think about my grandfather, hold up a big picture and I can be cast in any movie because I'll just be like in real tears, you know? And I think that's, you know, you don't want to, you can't fake those things. No. I mean, that's also, they said a bunch of times that is as corny as it sounds, it's the price of love. And the reason you feel this is because Mm. of the relationship you had. So corny is hell to say, but I mean, that's got to hold some little warmth in, uh, and what you're going through. So I think you should just, just continue on the ride and just stay the strong Italian woman that you are. <laughs> like, what else? What, <laughs> what else do I get? What are you going to do? You know, what are we going to do? I don't know. I don't know. I said this many times too. I don't know. Does don't it make know. you feel good though? What? To know what you're doing? Or are you just going to be really humble right now? No, it makes me feel good. It definitely feels good. But it's it, important that you know. Yeah, you know, I appreciate that. I, uh, I, have a, I have a big enough head as it is naturally coming out of my mom's womb. So I don't need to, I appreciate the compliments. I don't need it anymore. Um, but I appreciate that. It's, uh, I'm seeing the impact it has. I really believe in this conversation for anyone that is listening that has, that has helped you that, and that sent me messages letting me know that's, uh, that keeps me going. So I hope it's helped you in some ways. And I guarantee you're where you're at right now is going to, you know, resonate with a lot of people and that's why you're here. So it's, thank you for just sitting there, regardless of what you said. And it was amazing regardless of what you said, the fact that you're willing to talk is literally what it's about. Yeah. And I think it's important. It was really important for me to come here and talk to you about it because even if you haven't had the same exact situation, I know just posting that a lot of people dealt with hospice or a lot of people dealt with cancer or just loss in general. And I think people can relate to just seeing the emotion, even if your situation was completely different, even if you're, you know, you just lost your job and you're grieving that loss, it's still a loss. It's still something that, you know, maybe you just lost everything. It doesn't matter what it is. And I think that's what I want people, you know, that's why I'm vulnerable. That's why I'm okay crying on Mm -hmm. camera and saying, you know what, if you feel this and you have that, like, we're going to be able to get through it. We have to. You have to. Somehow, some way. You got to. Life goes on. I, uh... This might be a terrible time joke, but I lost my beanie on the way here. So I'm grieving yeah. the loss of my black beanie and freezing my ass off when I leave here. But That's traumatic. It's <laughs> traumatic. God, yeah, I'm sorry, guys. You, you know how this podcast goes. I ruined the moment. And also the worst transition from this conversation. Is there anything? Well, first of all, thank you. 
Thank you. Thank you for real. It's a pleasure to meet you on this platform. I mentioned that earlier, how it's cool to connect with people for the first time when we're talking about this shit. It's like, yeah. I don't know if it only gets up from here or down from here, one or the other, but oh, no. uh, is there anything you want to say before we you know, wrap this up? I don't know if you want to plug anything or any last words. The mic can't drop, literally drop the mic, but if you want to, you can. <laughs> My grandfather would want me to plug everything, but no, I just want people to know that you're not alone. And my DMs are always open because I've always been someone who advocates a lot for mental health. And I am someone who somehow does better in solidarity, but I think there are strength in numbers. And that's why I'm really appreciative that there are people like this gentleman right here who have just created such an amazing community and platform. But I do have so many resources that I'm happy to share and kind of even just listen. I'm like always there to listen to people I read my DMs when I get the chance. There's a lot of them, and they're interesting. <laughs> well, good thing, like, 80% of my audience are women, so I shouldn't get too yeah, many creepy no, DMs. But, but, um, you know? Yeah, so thank you. Yeah. You're the best. Seriously, it's yeah. a pleasure to meet you. And uh, for everyone listening, I appreciate you guys for tuning in to another episode of Dead Talks. Until next time, hopefully another episode of New York City will happen. So mm-hmm. shout out to New York City. Thank you all. <laughs>